Yeah, degauss is the unblur. So it's just sharpening. Can put it through the sharpen filter. It's the button you used to hit on your Trinitone monitor. <laughs> yep. Bow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean used to? <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 482 being recorded on January 3rd, 2017. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Helstrom and utterly horrified by the next person's dietary choices. I'm Josh Walworth and I'm drinking water. Uh, I think he's talking about that cinnamon bun burger you had earlier today. <laughs> and, and that's oh, Ken well, Edison yeah. and I'm Alan Malmontano. I was gonna. I was. I didn't want to go too much into what the heck we were going to talk about for dietary restrictions or I dietary. Don't know. Yeah, I was waiting for Josh cinnamon to pass bun it on burger, to me, man. The same same sentence, you know. But whatever, <laughs> dude. It was it was awesome. It was like a chili burger, with fresh, you know, made chili. Yeah. yeah. Great, good, good meat, and uh, on a cinnamon bun. It's a really interesting mix of spicy cinnamon and sweet, and it was, it was great. Interesting. Don't knock it. I didn't. Try it. I didn't. I probably will. Well, if I'm talking to Jeremy. Oh, sure. I'm not sure it's legal to yeah. serve in Canada. Fair. <laughs> All right. Got some health laws we, up We got to get into it because we got like a hard out. Some so stuff. let's talk about things. Uh, welcome to the show. It is Wednesday night. We record every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, pcper.com slash live. Uh, if you need a little reminder, we have a subscription list that you can find at pcper.com slash subscribe. It looks like this right here. Uh, we ask for your name and your email address. We'll send you a note when we're going to do a live stream. There you go. Uh, so you might want to sign up for that in particular because CES is coming up, and I have no idea if we're going to do live streams from CES this year. We haven't really talked about what we're bringing and what we're not and all that kind of crap, or what kind of internet connectivity we're going to have at the place we rented to stay. So uh, it's important that you sign up for that mailing list now. Very important. And it's also important you go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash PCPer. This is your place to regularly recurring contribute to the website. It goes directly to the guys, goes directly to us, creating content, doing cool, sweet new videos like the PC per mailbag that you see here. Oh, I see there's some <laughs> – there's a, a little B-roll cut in there I didn't know was in there. Uh, this is just us on a weekly basis answering your questions for 20 minutes or so. It's usually me, but we've been Alan and Josh. Probably next week, Josh, you'll have to fill in uh, since me and Alan, Alan and I will both I think you be should do a joint CS. one in Vegas. <laughs> We might be able to do Ooh, that. It's like pass, yeah. passing out on the on the hotel couch. What do you think about <laughs> literally CES? drunk? No, I don't know. It's the best. Bottles piled up in the background. That's what we're doing. <laughs> this sounded better and better all the time. Uh, so if you uh, become a new patron, increase your patronage during the show, we will call you out uh, in a positive manner, not call you out in a negative manner, I guess. So here we go. We've got Chris Ellington signed up. As a new patron at 10 o'clock for a dollar, but then increased it to $3 at 10.08. So we've already got our first new patron and increased patron as well. So thank you guys very much for that. All right. So let's get into uh, the stuff. We're going to run through some of these uh, maybe less impactful ones as it turns out. We didn't know we were going to have a big news story uh, come through the world today, but we do. Uh, Scott posted a just picked up story, if you will, of four Google Wi-Fi. So apparently he desperately needed good coverage around his entire uh, living space. Um, he was not kidding. No, 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 no. Um, so he, he was complaining about wireless dead zones uh, with his previous setup, which you can see part of it there in the background. So he bought a – it looks like it's a – Google Wi-Fi comes in a three-pack and then he bought an extra one. I guess that's how it works. You bought a single to uh, add into that. Yeah. So uh, plus – the Cisco 8-port gigabit switch. Is this so, place really that big? I don't know. I mean, it really it doesn't have to be – I mean, it's, it's coverage size is one of them, yeah. but it's also just like yeah. – Well, are you in an L-shaped He lives in Kingston. Building? Yeah. So there's a good chance that those are a shitload of limestone uh, oh, on the yeah. exterior and interior walls that are, you know, six, eight inches thick and not plasterboard. Yeah. Got it. Um, so if you can see, he walks through some of the setup here, um, and he does talk about the, uh, that, that it worked well, right? Now, as he walks around his house, he sees Wi-Fi drop for an instant. seems like literally a second and reconnect as it chooses a new access point. Um, he, he points out that it could be annoying if you're on a Skype chat and walking from room to room. Um, but I don't, I thought that was, I, su- think, it I just, think that was supposed to prevent that. It may just be the notifications he's mm-hmm. seeing yeah. show that drop and back. Um, it should be seamless as far as the, the yeah, device. Yeah, that's kind of the whole point. 
right yeah. of the mesh of the mesh infrastructure. Yeah. So uh, not a cheap solution. Uh, and I know that Jim has a review. Uh, Jim, we did review the Google Wi-Fi stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. So if you want to check that out, you can do that. Uh, it is on the website as well. Also today, Maury posted a review of the MSI Z370 Gaming Pro Carbon. Z370, this is your Coffee Lake platform um, for uh, your, your – what is it? What am I missing here? Quad core? No, up to six core. Up to six core. Up to six core processors. 8700K. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, LEDs, of course. And supposedly only will be good for this generation and the next generation yeah, of CPUs. You're going to have mm-hmm. like 470 or whatever the hell. No, I think there's in. supposed to be like a Z390 yeah. coming out as okay. well or something. And yep. then maybe these processors are backwards or forwards compatible with that. Mm. You would... You would I would hope. hope. You would hope. So. I would hope. I don't know for sure. Yeah. Um, it's a $209 motherboard, so it's reasonably priced, right? It's not, you know, it's not a $140 board, but it's also not a $440 motherboard sure. to look at. Um, it looks nice. Yeah, it's got the LEDs, of course. It's got, uh, you know, uh, Lightning USB 3.1 Gen 2, which is not Lightning. It is just USB 3.1 Gen 2. So, do you know what the lightning indicates in this case, Ken? Is it just just branding? MSI branding. Okay. M.2 shield on it. uh, High quality components, personalized with uh, uh, RGB LEDs. It looks like they've got. um, You can change between. Ooh, you want flashing LEDs? Do you want double flashing (laughs) LEDs? Which I don't (laughs) don't really quite understand what that is. Is there an off button? Yeah. Uh, well, Good. I don't know that. Also, MSI now supports 3D printable add-on Weird. parts. Yeah, it's odd how these things happen, right? How these kind of trends cycle through things. Uh, but, you know, it is it is what it is. Obviously, a good review here by Maury in terms of taking a look at the board and the feature set and the performance and the overclocking capability. Um, you know, little things like the CPU power connector, the 8-pin power connector. looks a little crowded, in that particular position. Oh, is that like you can't get to the, oh no, it's on no, the, the uh, yeah, like the okay. pins on that side. So it's not as bad. Actually, I was working on a motherboard recently that had it the other way around. Yeah. Right. And it was like, oh. there's like a, there's like a cut in my fingernail from having to dig down behind the heat sink the, on the MOSFETs in order to pull out yeah. the eight pin plug. Um, those tabs usually don't stay attached when I deal with them. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to solve it. Just rips the whole socket true, off the board. True. True. It, it, that decreases their usage uh, in the future. That's true. For stability's sake. But uh, I understand I understand the mentality there. Um, so obviously going through Maury's general uh, and, and continued deep dive into boards, he was able to get a 5 gigahertz CPU, 4,000 megahertz, otherwise known as 4 gigahertz memory speed uh, in terms of overclocking. Um, on what, 8700? On the 8700K. Hmm. Yep. Uh, and it did get a silver award. Weaknesses, lack of RGB uh, LED configuration via UAFI, CMOS battery replacement, of course. Uh-huh. Um, lack of hinged cover plate heatsink for both M.2 slots, but it must have had it on one, but not the other. Um, and then two of the six SATA ports set off to left side of board instead of being included in the port block. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Internal routing, I guess. But did, did you say pork block? Yeah, no. of course. Because I could really mm. get behind a motherboard with one of those. <laughs> I bet you could. You turn it on and it instantly big. smells like bacon in your room. Uh, RGB I bet you could. I bet you could. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's who's still mad that that AMD decided to call their their Z no their X three seventy the X three seventy? I think everybody should be. <laughs> yeah, I think legitimately. Yeah, I, that's I looked a at Maury's thing and it's like, oh, cool, an AMD review. Oh, Not wait, really no. looking and AMD had the name first and Intel copied them, obviously. Mm-hmm. X370 came out first. Yeah, don't be a dumb dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Dummy. Dummy. Uh, also today, uh, worth noting, Jim has wrapped up the ultimate cord cutting guide with part three titled Quirks, Savings, and Conclusions. Uh, I do not recommend putting your shield controller in your bowl of popcorn, especially mm-hmm. if you put butter on that popcorn. Uh, I made this mistake last night. I made. Uh, we, if you might remember, a couple of weeks ago, we had the Death Star popcorn maker yes. as one of our picks. Yes. We have that now. Yes. Uh, my daughter enjoys watching the popcorn be made inside the Death Star. Okay. So we were watching, sitting down to watch Sleeping Beauty last night. We made some popcorn. Uh, we put some butter on it. We put some like white cheddar 
flavoring stuff on it. Dad overdid it of course. on the flavoring. And so every time she reached her hand and it came out this greasy mess, I was like, well, that's a disaster. Because then mm-hmm. she wanted to like touch her toys and my phone and the controller. And it gets everywhere. Remote. I was like, no. So I brought in a dish towel and this is how we ate popcorn that way. But uh, So don't do that. That picture insinuates you should do. Um, in terms of kind of like the follow-ups to this, the the biggest quirk that we came into was that the Plex for live TV was less than perfect, as Jim says. Um, you know, the setup process was easy enough, and it all seemed to work really well if you were look if you're doing it in kind of short bursts. But when you started to use it for extended periods. Um, we found a little bit of, we found hitching in the streams that would kind of like pause for a second and then it would, it would all, you know, start working again. Um, what's more odd about it is that this did not happen in the recordings. Right. It was only in the live TV. It was only in the live, it was only in the live part that it, that it happened. So like when you watched a recorded TV show, it did not have those hitches in it. So it, it tells us that it's not the HD home run. It's not the antenna. It's not the signal. It is it's just the way Plex is. It's handling the way Plex is handling it in some in some regard, right? So yeah. which which is why we kind of ended up deciding to go with um, one of the streaming TV services like YouTube TV, mm-hmm. right? So instead of just depending on the Plex antenna for all of our ABC, CBS, NBC, etc., um, you know. For, for my personal use, like I was going to have to get something like that anyway to get HGTV and you know uh, CNN and all the stuff that you can't get OTA anyway. So it's not really adding anything. They have HGTV on? Uh... On like YouTube TV or DirecTV Now or those types oh, of things. Yeah, it might not be on YouTube TV yet. That's one of no. the ones that's missing. Okay. Uh, sure. I, I was just mentioning off other ones. Other yeah, than yeah. The, the, the four or eight, you know, yeah. four majors plus PBS and et yep. cetera, et cetera. Yep. Um, Jim also looked at the bandwidth concerns and how, um, you know, before and after, you know, jump from about 202 <laughs> gigs per month to 545 gigs per month of usage when yeah. converting over to something like that, which is a concern if you live in an area where you have to be worried about that. Here, we don't have caps. Mm-hmm. They do let you monitor it, which scares you a little bit in that they want you to be aware and cognizant of how much you're using. Um, luckily, our fiber here at the office doesn't monitor it at all uh, or they don't show us that they're monitoring it in order to scare us into using less bandwidth or anything like that but yeah uh, so you know even if you are in one of the areas i think the what's like the cap that exists in the u.s is one terabyte right like that's kind of like the one that's that people the comcast, know, comcast. Cap, which is largest isp and so you'd have to watch a lot of stuff to get to the one terabyte but if you if you're also a gamer and you're downloading a lot of games every month mm-hmm. right to maybe multiple systems in your house i mean doom's like what you know almost a 80 gigs yeah, 80 you know gigs. something <laughs> like that you say you and your you and your buddy want to download it and he, or, or or he shows up with his laptop and didn't have it yet so he's downloading it again too so now all of a sudden you're at 240 gigs there goes, 320 there goes, gigs for three Doom installs, right? Yeah, you know, there goes a third of your. Uh, it's definitely a concern, but uh, you know, something to keep in mind. If you look at cost savings, Jim did a good job of adding in the price of the equipment, uh, and then kind of taking into account like the monthly cost for just TV was over 110 dollars. The only thing you're paying for uh, is YouTube TV and your uh, like Plex Pass of three to five bucks per month. Yep. So you're saving around 70 dollars per month. You amortize that. You know, you come up with with ten months or so to pay it off. Uh, well, cutting the cord but, is a bit of a misnomer there, as you're just paying you're paying a streaming TV service. Yeah, it's still a hell of a lot cheaper. Yeah, it is, and and I think it's also fair to say like you also have a Shield TV Pro in this, right? And an eight terabyte external hard drive. Like you 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 have stuff that's useful for other ways, right? And now you're using Plex in a different way than you you might have been using it before, and so you have significantly more capabilities. Than you had previously, if you were just using a, a an off the shelf spectrum TV, you know, solution or something like that. Yep. Um, so that you know, you, you can't really mod, you can't put some price on that. Oh man, Plex is so great; it's worth twenty dollars a month to me. So I'm gonna you know apply that on top of it. I mean, I guess you can do whatever you want. So, um, so that's kind of that's kind of the 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 round out. Um, you know, Jim, you know, the conclusion page, he talks about with YouTube TV, you're not getting all the channels or content that the old cable package offered when we were looking at that stuff. Um, but if you're not watching 95% of that anyway, you're you're still saving 70 bucks a month, which, which is a significant amount of money. Um, and I, and I, <clears throat> I love the flexibility you get with something like YouTube TV, right? I have YouTube TV playing on my PC over there across the room, right? And so that's a capability that I didn't have with 
Cincinnati Bell Phi Optics TV service, mm-hmm. for example. Um, so there's a lot more that goes into it than just that. I, 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 I'm, I think it's a great set of stories here. Uh, Jim talks about looking forward to expect you know Plex Live TV to improve, get those bugs ironed out, something like that, when maybe um, that part of the story becomes more impactful in 2018. Yep. Hopefully earlier than later in 2018. So uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, for me, 2018 will be the, quote, year of cutting the cord. God, I hope so. It's been a long time coming. So uh, check that out. So that is, that's our Ultimate Cord Cutting Guide Part 3, Part 1 and 2, linked throughout uh, the story and on the website. So, all right. Let's uh, get into... The big news of the week, um, of the day. Oh, my God. We're all going to die. Yeah. Uh, every computer yep. you own is now vulnerable, and you probably all have horrible, horrible viruses on your machine. Right? This is fair? Yeah. Everybody. Personally handcrafted, even. Exploits are everywhere. Uh, it was, it's kind of been an interesting timeline just over the last, like, 24, 36 hours or so as uh, – uh, Jeremy, it was the register story that kind of started it, right? Kind of broke the news that something big was coming, right? Yeah. They, they were talking about a, a huge security bug or flaw or vulnerability. Uh, the hard, just, just for clear, the hardware companies don't want to call it a bug or a flaw, which we've, we've discussed. is kind of a fair I don't know. I think fundamental design flaw is pretty accurate. Yeah. I'm with Jeremy on this one. Yeah. I mean, you think? But, oh, yeah. No. I mean, it's like someone figured out you could drive a car off a cliff. So that means that right. car, all oh, cars are Or someone flawed. figured out that they like, could watch you type in your password over your shoulder, and that's how they know your and password. all passwords are now yes. vulnerable. Like, well, you know, well I mean, technically they are. It's, yeah. But, but it's like, we had a reasonable the, the initial response to it do was this. a little bit overblown. Like, yeah. yes, it's a uh, fundamental flaw, but it's not one that you could see coming. It's actually one that we really like because we like the whole branch prediction thing, which yeah. is sort of where this comes from. Like performance improvements? Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is a good thing. And, you know, at the same time, it's scary as hell because, yeah, if they know what processor you're using, there are ways to get at it. Yeah. Now, we should probably talk about what the problem is so, before yes. we get to um, yeah, sure. the woods. So all, all this was, was building up that there was some kind of security vulnerability in Intel processors and that this security vulnerability – Went back ten or more generate ten or more years affected yep. every processor that they had created uh, in that time span, maybe longer. Uh, and that's back to the Pentium Pro, I believe five eighty six and I think above. the Pentium was the last one that didn't have speculative yeah, it execution. Might be, it might be Core. Well, it, there was stuff core well before enough? Core yeah. that did, like Conroe oh. and all that type. Okay. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, and then the other part of the story was so the, the first part was the security vulnerability yep. part. Uh, but that Microsoft and Linux were working on patches for operating systems, mm-hmm. but that the patch, the fix, would affect performance. Yep. And the initial results we saw was like this could be as much as a 30% hit on your performance, which is a non-significant number mm-hmm. to think about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, you know, more reports came out than there. We, we saw uh, links and discussions in uh, Linux uh, Usenet groups, essentially, right? Uh, email listservs yeah. talking about, uh, talking about all the kernel stuff. you know, what was the, the link you saw was like a Python developer who had found some, some changes in some Linux patch notes that had the, been with the comments redacted and they were kept looking through trying to figure out what was going on. There was a Python blog where someone had actually found the, they saw the staged merge set and it was very, very hush hush. There was no readme, There was nothing. And this was most related to code that was already accepted into mainline kernel. Uh, this, uh, what is it, KPI or KIP, whatever they call it. KPIT, I think. Yeah. KPTI. Uh, yeah, it was know, something like that. There used to be called something else before that. That's been around for a while. This has been a known issue um, where you have kernel data structures in the MMU being able to be seen from user space because you don't want to have to refetch those lookups. It's a it's a it's a massive performance improvement, yep. um, but yeah, it 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 kind of leaks a little bit. So, so the 
so we were at, people were asking a bunch of questions. Nobody was really talking. Intel made no comment. Uh, Microsoft were making no was making no comment. Um, and then Intel released something around three o'clock today that said, uh, "Yes, we are aware of uh, security research that has revealed." security vulnerabilities in not just our processors, but we've also been working with AMD and ARM and other software partners to arrange these fixes. So then it became a big deal of, um, is this not just an Intel thing? Is this a whole industry thing? Mm -hmm. And it turns out the answer is yes and yes and no (laughs) and probably. Uh, Because when the (coughs) actual reports came out at 5 o'clock or so today, the uh, answer is that there are two named vulnerabilities. There is Miltdown, and there is Spectre. Yep, and there's Spectre has a couple of things, but well, they're basically the they're, same. They're under the same umbrella, yeah, same umbrella for, yeah. for our intents and purposes for talking about it. Um, Spectre is uh, it does affect Intel. It affects AMD. It affects ARM. It affects Qualcomm. It affects all those partners as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as it is essentially a speculative execution. I, I'm trying. I still am still trying to figure out a good way to verbalize how to differentiate between the two um, vulnerabilities. Um, the the Spectre is a more general purpose speculative execution branch branching type attack. Yeah. Right. Side um, channel attack. Side channel attack. Yes. So in other words, you have another <coughs> some other process is able to glean information. Like process A is able to glean information about process B. Okay. Like what process B is doing, which usually... Definition of side channel? Yeah. It's okay. like two separate, you know, something off to the side, right? Like if you had a, you know, and the reason you see the terms being thrown around like uh, like Amazon, ECS, like they're having to yep. do updates there because that's all virtualized infrastructure. You don't want you don't want to get a, a Amazon, you know, server instance and then you start figuring out what other people are yeah, doing. Yeah, me and Ken get VMs on the same physical hardware yeah. at an EC2 server yeah. and I can write code that will now figure out what his processes are doing. Yeah, something about what his processes are doing. Right. Not necessarily all the information, but something, yeah. right? Yeah, so that's like Which a side channel Which then attack. just basically opens the door for other things to occur. Yeah. Right? The So that one affects everybody and it's kind of more of a general, hey, all of you people who thought you were ingenious by having branch predictors and things go go. F- find memory ahead of time in order to pre-process it so mm-hmm. that you can have it ready when I need it. And maybe sometimes I don't need it. Yeah. Um, this is a, a result of, of, of that thinking. The other one is meltdown, which is only if it doesn't affect AMD, it affects all Intel processors mm-hmm. and may, and I think two arm architectures, mm-hmm. two out of the 11 that, that arm has listed. Um, and it has more so, to do with like a specific optimization that Intel made for caching. Right. Related with caching. Architecturally. And also, yes. Architecturally to try to, to try to optimize even better. Right. To try to improve performance more. Yeah. They made changes to their architecture that are now being exploited mm-hmm. through this, through this uh, vulnerability. And because almost all of the ARM architectures and uh, all of the Intel AMD architectures do not have this same uh, type of thing happening, they are immune to this particular yep. variant yep. of the vulnerability, and that's what makes it mostly Intel specific. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, the 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 even though despite Intel's statement about hey we're all in this together, uh, the truth is more along the lines of we're all in this together, but Intel's a little bit more in it than everybody else, mm-hmm. which I think is which I think is a very fair statement, right? Um, <clears throat> and it is. The general assertion we have from the industry is that the fix to Spectre is like variant one of these is easy. It's in software. Yeah. It's uh, relatively um, small patches. Almost no performance hit. Right. The same thing with two. Uh-huh. With variant three, the problem is there's this unknown performance penalty. And so the internet's kind of bit, the thing that our readers are particular, like we You're all care about security. Variant, variant three of Spectre or variant three meaning meltdown? Meltdown. Okay. Um, so while we all, we all definitely care about security and all that, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I think what a lot of our readers, viewers, listeners are more concerned about is like, Hey, is, is Microsoft going to patch something in windows 10 mm-hmm. and it's going to slow down my processor by 30%. Mm-hmm. All and, of a sudden. and they did issue a patch. They did issue that patch today. Uh, there was first there was Redstone 
three. Full, Redstone four pre-release or whatever the fast track build. Yeah, you could it? get that, and it apparently right. integrated it in there. You could have you could have upgraded to that, and you would have had that. And also today, as of just a couple hours ago, there was I forget which knowledge base number it is, but you know basically it was the January 2018 roll up update, which right. was supposed to come out a week 10. from now. Say again for Windows 10. For Windows 10, yes, it was supposed to come out a week from now. Came out today. They pushed it up to today because all this other stuff came out today instead of in the middle of CES, which probably would have been not ideal time <laughs> to launch all that when everybody that could test it. would have it, been perfect ideal because it would have been ignored by the majority uh, of the media I guess, for, yeah. for some period of time yeah. at the very least. Um, I mean, we, we've been playing around with it. Like, we haven't seen any big... So I haven't seen... We don't, we don't have anything published on yet? benchmarks. Yeah. I, I will say, like, Pharonix has done a very good job of this. What was the other one? Computer Base did some testing um, where they showed... You know, Pharonix obviously focused on Linux and things like uh, FFmpeg or H.264 or gaming performance. There was no there was no impact with their right. updated Linux kernels right. that included the fix. Um, in some benchmarks like Postgres, uh, you know, like a SQL there benchmark, was, there, there was, was one, some stuff. There, there was, was a storage a, performance, like a file copy test. Which looked like to be one of the worst offenders. Yeah, like 30 percent was the um, worst. What was it? The directory usage calculator, DU. Mm-hmm. Um, which is basically all syscalls. Yeah. Um, and it does a lot of random IO. That was the worst case scenario. It's, I saw anywhere from 30 to 50%. Yeah. For most stuff, it's not, it, it, it adds like 20% overhead to a syscall. So what? Okay. Well, what confuses me is like, I mean, my code is like regular API IO stuff. You're talking about the, uh, the IO load testing stuff. Yeah. 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 Like when we do storage testing, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And I was seeing, in some cases, like things all, were a little bit faster. That's all in kernel mode, isn't it? It's kernel API calls. Oh, for, okay. Like it's regular I/O, yeah. disk yeah. I/O, right? Well, it has to go through the kernel. It's it's you know you're accessing the disk, right? Um, I, I so would I mean, say, you know, I would say our. <sighs> my, I was looking for that really right. you know crazy performance. You're hit, looking right? at Optane, which would be. In theory, yeah, you would think Optane would be the like most the, sensitive the, to it. Yeah, and I even yeah. somebody asked on Twitter, and I even suggested like Optane would probably hit be hit right. the worst on this because it's the lowest latency thing. So if something else is going to add some latency to every API call, yeah, I, Optane would be hit the worst. Optane actually works a little faster with the patch. I don't understand how or why. Yeah, but it does. My my general consensus would be that from a consumer workload standpoint, there will be almost no instances of impactful performance changes. Yeah, well, and done. even the the few benchmarks that we saw uh, for Amazon Web Service for EC2, it, it doesn't look like that much of an impact. Yeah. Yeah, and you can the, sort of see it, but it's not going to affect much. And the, and the other thing is that based on what we've seen come out so far, if there was a thing that was super API call heavy, there's ways to optimize. Yeah. Like around that. Like, you know, before you might have just had your code just super API call heavy for a particular thing. Okay, maybe that's not as efficient anymore because you know because of these updates and you know these patches. Um, but you know it looks like more of a that thirty or fifty percent or whatever the people that are saying that it's really like corner, you know, extreme corner case stuff. Not like your right. computer just suddenly goes thirty or fifty percent slower. Just trying to you know do regular stuff on your computer. Sure. It's just not, it's just not there. I think the, the biggest concern, the bigger concern is, uh, the potential, the potential impact in those virtualized environments, heavy yes. enterprise use cases, um, where the, both, both the performance impact is maybe more substantial as well as, uh, the security impact. Yes. Right. Because, uh, now you get into an issue where there are, are multiple clients running on the same hardware and using some of these vulnerabilities, you might be able to get access to somebody else's data maliciously. Uh, and then from a performance standpoint, VMs are inherently more uh, IO intensive, right? Uh, like kernel to user heavy, and back with heavier, the hypervisor. Uh, yeah, through the hypervisor. There's more, yeah. there's more layers yeah. of, you know, of it's not API, but there's more layers of, you know. There's more bookkeeping. Yeah. Okay. More yeah. things that you would want to be cached that patching this might interfere with. Right. You know. uh, they're gone. So, well. I mean, any kind of kernel memory, you know, mapping through the, the VM system is when you go to user space, it's wiped. It's gone. Yeah. There was something, there was something when about. You, when you come back on, there's a trampoline function, which then remaps all those misses. 
there, so, I mean, there's there was, a lot there of bookkeeping going on. There was on. something about the Windows patch specifically that talked about how they were able to keep the user space just uh, TLB or whatever it was. Yeah. They were able to keep it there. Yeah, the user space TLB stays in place. It's the kernel space that gets removed on the Linux side. Yeah. Let me ask you this because I know, uh, Josh, I want to ask you something. So, like, the fix for Meltdown, which is the Intel-specific one, is kind of a known thing now. It's the what we call the kernel page table isolation, right? Uh, it solves the issue, but there's a cost, a performance cost of 0 to 20 to 30%, depending on who you ask and what the workload happens to be. And wasn't this, wasn't the, that a feature that was already, like, it was there in Intel CPUs, like able to be used, but just people weren't using it because they wanted to go the faster route or something? Uh, I don't know the answer like to that. that. No, no, the answer you're, to that. You're, you're thinking of the, the, uh, the PCID? No, this is the, the KPI infrastructure in Linux was in place six months ago. Oh, okay. Mm. But then they didn't accept it and put it into default because of the performance hit. Yeah, and now they have to. Now they have to bring it in. The So okay. the Meltdown fix is kind of like a known thing. Uh, it affects Intel most specifically, but uh, and there's the issue of performance. The, the Spectre one is one where um, people are making these claims of it's not likely to be fully fixed anytime soon. Um, there's a TechCrunch story. It's actually really well written it's about, that talks about uh, the fact is that the practice – uh, that leads to this attack being possible is so hardwired into processors that the researchers couldn't find a way to totally avoid it. Yeah, um, you're, pro- you're essentially asking is- you're essentially asking out of order architecture all of the advancement in that mm-hmm. or not all, but a, a lot of the advancement in out of order architecture has been preemptively accessing data or processing data before you need it, right. so that there is zero latency when you actually ask for it. Yes, and it is that process that inherently is exploitable yes, because, because the, you are accessing information that the CPU is just guessing you might, that you did, your sure. code didn't actually ask for. But to be able to do that, which potentially accelerates, you know, and, and, and improves your, um, uh, what the heck's the term? Why is the CPU term going away from me? The, uh, uh, prediction? Branch no, no, prediction? No, 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 no. How, uh, dang, Performance. Execution. Never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how efficient Fair. it is on per clock or whatever. Oh, IPC. Yeah, IPC. Yep. So that's that's what makes your IPC go up. It's one of the, okay. that's like one of the huge things that makes your IPC go up is that it's able to try to predict what's going to happen successfully, mm-hmm. hopefully more mm-hmm. times than not, right? Sure. And, and that's what effectively increases, you know, your you know, yeah. how how fast the processor is going, right? Yeah. Per clock. Um anyway, so if you're doing that, there's always going to be the possibility of something else off to the side, hence the side channel thing, being able to tell, right? Another process on the system is going to be able to tell somehow that there was, that something else was going on. Mm-hmm. Either it cached that extra information and then the other process says, hey, I want to do a lookup for that same location. Right. Oh, look, it happened almost instantly compared to it being a cache miss. Now I can guess that the other process probably was doing that same thing, right? So it's like, it's in, or, in order to in order to uh, get rid or to completely negate any kind of exploit, you would basically have to remove the whole thing, like the whole the whole fact, idea, of the it. whole idea of it, right? Yeah, um, that's really the only way I could think of. Other or go through extremely great pains to isolate everything, but then you you would take a performance hit then too, just either from the isolation itself or the fact that now everything has to have its own section of a cache. Now you're dividing your cache up. God knows how many different ways, right? Or you're swapping it out every time you do a context switch yeah. or something like that. So, yeah, it's just you know, it's one of those things that you just have to kind of seems understand. Like, yeah, it Josh, give me your thoughts of, on this before we move on. It seems like it'd be kind of hard um, to use. I mean, as, as Alan was explaining, this kind of exploit because you've got to know the stuff that you're looking for where the CPU. <laughs> is actually writing and reading that stuff. So you need to know the address space and the address, the actual, you know, kind of physical address and then the memory and the cache. And uh, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm real curious how they would be able to utilize that in a, uh, say, hey, I want to know what, what your password is on this thing. Right. And so mm. I'm guessing Chrome is going to be using this, address area and i can look in through this uh you know speculative stuff but it's it's not like you know 
these are video streams that you're you're clicking into. I mean, it's it's I a mean, lot more complex. There, there were there were uh, security reporters out there talking about that this is something that could be exploited by JavaScript. This is something I mean, that could it's be in the paper. It's in yeah, yeah it's, 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 in, it's in the document that like. Uh, I don't know if it was Spectre or Meltdown, though. Spectre. It was Spectre yeah. in there? Yeah, it was Spectre. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Uh, the, 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 the workarounds that, that – that, I guess the issue is the workarounds that people can put in place today may not address future exploits on the same hardware and definitely won't address future exploits on new hardware. Any yeah. changes that people make to their branch predictor, which happens every time there's a revision sure. of an architecture – now need to go through more scrutiny and and you know how do we address this from a from a security standpoint that that maybe wasn't really thought of mm-hmm. uh, completely before. So and it's, it's worth pointing out that well, like anything that exploits, you know, this kind of an exploit, you have to be intimately familiar with exactly how the branch predictor works for a particular. Yes, correct. Oh, they just curb stomped it. If did you see the implementation they had in the white paper? What, what it, they do? It basically just looks up zero instructions. And flushes the entire pipeline. It does all sorts of nasty. Oh, sure, stuff sure, sure. But like, but you still need to know. Oh, I'm on this particular generation of Intel CPU. That right, branch predictor right. is going to work this way, and that's how you, mm-hmm. you know. Otherwise, you're kind of flying blind. As far as, yep, yeah. In other words, there's a lot more. There's not like a generic one size fits all exploit thing. Yeah. You just like boom, right? Now I get like I get flush in the pipeline, right? Right. Um. Which would make it much easier yeah. to mean, know what was in the cache. They had to force the branch predictor into a corner case. Yeah. And then they went, okay, now it has a set timing, and now we can start probing. Mm. Okay. That makes a lot more sense, mm. actually. Yeah. The, um, you know, well, the, the scary thing is, before we do zip on, is that there is another Intel story we were desperately waiting for uh, this week. Remember the whole issue about below ring zero and the trusted execution platform and the management engine? Yeah. Yeah. Those patches were supposed to be rolling out this week. Mm. I have seen nothing yeah, about it. Heard I've seen thing. an awful lot about this. Not important. And that one's much scarier than this because yeah. this one is, yeah, you've got unsigned code running that you can't even see. Right. Yeah. So, so don't forget <laughs> that there's, there's more than just this we should be worried about yeah. right now. I'm sure we'll talk about this uh, many more times going forward. Uh, I will say that this is not a doomsday scenario. It's not like uh, I saw there were some tweets going around from like Wall Street Journal, New York Times guys talking about Intel's going to have to do a full recall of every processor that's affected. And it's just not they the deleted, case. They deleted First of all, it's like right? not physically possible, one. And two, no, they, it's, just not, it, it's not going to happen. No. Um, if there was if there was a legitimate thirty percent reduction in everybody's performance, like on every workload, then um, probably there would be a lot more things <laughs> going on. Yes, right. Like Intel's, you would you would have seen uh, Intel stock go down more than a couple three well, percent. And, and that's and, the point. That's the point where you weigh: Do I want to just be vulnerable to this particular thing or not? Right. <laughs> like it's you know if it's if it's uh, Amazon or something, sure you need yep. to patch this. Yes. Right? Oh yeah. But right if it's away. like if it's like your home PC. Mm-hmm. Maybe not necessarily. Like the, the code needs yeah. to get on your box first. Yep. Before it can start trying to glean information about other other threads and stuff. Right. You know. All right. We'll talk about this more um, forever, probably. Uh, so let's talk <laughs> about uh, the next little bit of information here. Also surrounding Intel and um, the rumors of. So we we know that Intel announced a partnership. Of a processor using Radeon graphics, but we don't know what architecture it is. But apparently, there have been some leaks, both from the Italian, uh, was it Italian or Indian? Um, Indian, Indian Intel, Intel website, and but they listed HP. the chip and called it with with Radeon RX Vega M graphics. Nice. Whoops. Apparently, the the Core i seven eighty eight oh nine G just rolls yeah, off. Yeah, say tongue. that three times fast. <laughs> The G stands for good. Such a weird model. <laughs> <laughs> Has a TDP of 100 watts, base clock of 3.1, Radeon RX Vega MGH graphics. Oof. Uh, and Intel's still has the HD 630, which I guess makes sense, right? Because it's still we've, – we've, have we seen pictures of that officially? I think we I knew it was going to have integrated graphics. Yeah, so. so it's like it's a chip and another chip on a substrate. Yeah. Right. So like mm-hmm. it's it, they didn't make a new Intel chip for this. It's the same 
Intel chip we know, or a, a new Intel chip. And you still the want the design. lower power advantages to have yeah. in the Intel yeah, graphics yeah. in a laptop. That's true. That's true. Well, you really want to design a brand new CPU just to rip your graphics core out? Right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't know if this is a multi-generational product, a single-generational product, um, right? And so you know, we don't really know how much Intel planned that they would do. Uh, in order to make this to make this happen, but is there any other stuff other than those kind of specs that we learned? There's really no performance or anything here, right? <laughs> Jeremy, anybody? No. Okay. No, there's there's nothing apart from it. it doesn't have any cores. So now we know it's Vega. <laughs> no core think, clock. No memory. Bus. I think Josh, in your story of the rumors, you've speculated it would be Polaris. <clears throat> I think so. Maybe. Does this no, change anything for you? No, you did, but sure. Does it? Yeah, it change? I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I mean, like, what would it change from a product <laughs> hitting analysis? Clearly, we could just, if we assume it's Vega. Like, does it change anything about the thoughts on the product, or is it just like okay, it's going to use a different architecture? We have a better idea of where its perf is going to land. Really, when you're looking at Vega, the biggest jump was it's a much more massive chip than Polaris. It's got HBM, and they've been able to clock it higher. Is there an IPC difference? Is is there a massive switch in, in architecture? Yeah. No, so I think you're probably getting, you know, you're getting a little bit higher clock speed. But, uh, you know, it's all gonna, still going to be under 100 watts. So right. how good is it going to be? Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll know probably in about a week. But what about you the branch say. prediction? On what Vega? about the branch prediction on this? <laughs> Is your uh, Vega architecture cable HG fixing the uh, uh, Is it, is it, is it susceptible to the... Uh... <laughs> yes, yes, forever, yes. All right, let's run through these other items uh, relatively quickly. Hard OCP, as they do, has posted a uh, another review of a water block. He really likes the water block. For the uh, this is the Coolant 400A-S. Jeremy, what stands out here? Uh, well, if you look at it physically, you realize that it only actually goes one way on a Threadripper. If you mount it horizontally, it's going to cover both of the cores properly. If you do it on a 45-degree angle, it's only going to get partial cover coverage of two of the cores. So make sure you put it in the right direction. Sure. Yeah. That sounds like a yeah. good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And other than that, the other thing that was interesting was that uh, this prompted Kyle. Uh, well, once he stopped watching the podcast because he was doing this last week yep, or yep. two weeks ago, I guess it was. Uh, he built a flow meter. Yeah. And so now he's doing a lot of the flow rates for all of the coolers and went back and did the uh, half dozen he's got already. Sweet. Yeah. So we'll get liters per minute. Uh, I haven't seen this much coverage of water blocks in quite some time. I know. It's been interesting. Good for him. And quite the bloody Delta, too. Oh, really? Uh, like, goes from the XSBC Raystorm, which is the best at 62 Celsius, up to the EK Evo Supremacy at 74.1. That is quite the range. So, you are correct. Yeah. Huh. This one sits right nicely in the middle. Interesting. Interesting. Good stuff. Uh, this was kind of interesting. At least Ken told me. Oh, wait. We're missing something on the rundown. Uh, very quickly, are. Apple is going to replace your battery for $29 instead of $79. They're going to give you the privilege of replacing your battery for only $29. It's yeah. a pretty good deal for $29. And as much as that sounds amazing, How much of a pain in the, ass the more amazing oh, thing yeah. is it doesn't matter if your battery passes their tests or not. They'll still do it. Yeah, that's a new policy. So yes. regardless of what your battery state is, they'll so do they, it for twenty nine. They used, to, they used to like not do it. They used to not do it all the time. They would they would yeah. they would tell people no. Like it, there wasn't necessarily a policy in place, but they like mm. if it passed a test, they'd tell you like they'd be like, you don't need to replace this battery. I'd really like to know Computer if that says test, no. I'd really like to know if the test that they did would actually even detect if it was throttling, or if the battery just wasn't bad bad. Oh. Obviously, it pulls how uh, degraded it is because Ryan went through this at the Genius Bar. It wasn't, however, many percent degraded within a year, so they didn't replace it. Oh, but sure. if you look but, at the degraded, right, right. Percentage. But my point is, is that percent degraded thing directly linked or not to the the, the current that it outputs, the voltage and, drop, and yeah, et cetera, yeah, yeah. that just causes it, it, it to is, cut but out? That is trying in a to BMW avoid. emissions sort of way. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I see. You I see mean, it should like, be close enough because all those batteries are within a certain range with the ship them. So if you take into perspective, like, I think, yeah, I think like, they should be able to know. It's or probably not an exact thing, guess, but yeah. it should be close enough. Uh, before we move on to the next story, I will call out we have some new patrons to sign up uh, that signed up here. Cronark has edited their pledge from eight to nine dollars. Thank I, you, Cronark. I would go see them in concert. Yeah? Yeah. Sounds like a good one. Uh, Sir Bogative just pledged $33. Awesome. Wow. Wow. Kick ass. Sir Bogative. Is that a play on words I don't, I'm missing don't or something? Know. No? No? Yeah, well, thank know. you, Mr. Sir Dr. <laughs> Bogative. And then look at this one. Hardocp.com and hardforum.com just pledged $5. Must be an imposter. Wait. <laughs> it, it, it seems legit because uh, uh, the icon he has is a skull with the hard OCP logo on that's, its head. That's totally so, icon, maybe yeah. on its forehead. Oh, that how about the sense. hard CS? It has hard CS uh, <laughs> donated to us yet? I don't think so. Thank that's you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Bennett. Uh, All right. Okay, Android. Uh, so this Android parallel tasks in Chrome OS. I have no idea what this is. Ken, you said this was neat and worth adding to it. So what do you got? Yeah, so it, it's a pretty simple change. A while ago, I know you did some digging and looked at Android apps running on Chrome OS. Yeah. And kind of the relative performance of that. But one of the big issues for sort of mainstream adoption is you could only have one Android app running at a time and you couldn't run it in the background. Okay. So this is fixing that. So in the in the newest Chrome OS beta, apparently it's enabled. Uh, what would it do? Just like pause the app? No, it runs in the background. You mean before? Uh, I th- I think it would just like suspend it or something. Yeah, because you could fast switch back to it, but I don't know if you could. I think it like. Did you really not have like Skype running in the background on a? Like the Android stuff is still kind of a beta thing like running android apps on chrome os is still a beta i think technically it's not beta but it may feel like that sometimes uh i don't know last time we did you had to enable some hinky shit that was a while ago but yeah i'm with you and you can see him here enabling developer mode and doing stuff too but (laughs) how many times did he have to tap on that? it was like 300 but it's probably he hit it 300 times but i think the answer is five the other similar related thing that we didn't have a news post on this week about this stuff is the is that uh Google released instructions for how to compile and run Fuchsia on a on actual hardware, mm-hmm. either a specific Acer x86 Chromebook or Nook or their Chromebook Pixel or Pixelbook, the Pixelbook, the That's new a thing. The, yes. the new stupid one, uh, and Fuchsia <laughs> being their operating system that they're developing and have is open source, but nobody really knows the exact use of, but is theorized to be like andromeda was before they canceled that kind of an uh, android chrome os okay. unification replacement sort yeah. of thing so you, you can run that on hardware now it's interesting part of the process is like creating a usb boot key to network boot because you can only network boot and they say it <laughs> destroys the usb key I was Wait, trying what? to figure out how the hell is that that's possible. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> they say this destroys the USB this key. This kills like you can the USB never, key. You can never undo this. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible. That seems fairly extreme. <laughs> now I kind of want to see it happen. Yeah, I want to try it now. Interesting. Interesting. Um, this is uh, – Jeremy wrote this up. This is our link to an Ars Technica story where they have uh, – List of twenty top twenty games of twenty seventeen. Now you say it's an eclectic list. I'm curious why you say it's eclectic if it's the top twenty. I see a Mario there. I see a Cuphead there. Eclectic means a bunch a of different. A bunch of different. You know. Yeah, I want to know why Cuphead. I want to know why Cuphead is number twenty. Because they thought it was the twentieth. They best thought it was game. the twentieth best game. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty clear why it would be number twenty. Cuphead is phenomenal. I need to actually download. I've never like, actually played Cuphead. it because I don't. Uh, I ha- I don't hate myself, and I don't oh, want to play the same exactly. thing over fifty <laughs> times. Yeah. I love watching yeah. people who are good play it. The music is great. The animation is fantastic. Uh, but no, thank you. Uh, let's see. Static Institute of Retention. Never heard of it. It's definitely an eclectic list. Rhyme, just through never it. heard of it. Night in the Woods. Okay, I have heard of that. This Phone is game. Fox people. Heat signature, which I Destiny to play. Neo. I think I pronounced that correctly. Sonic yeah. Mania? Oh, on the Higher. Switch. Have you played Sonic Mania on your Switch? I have not. I, have you, Ken, played Sonic I Mania? I don't like Sonic. No. Resident Evil 7. I don't, I don't got to go fast as it turns out. A lot out. of these are, are a lot of these are console games. PUBG. Um, yeah. 
Resident Evil 7 is available on PC, up to number eight on this list. That's pretty good. Yakuza 0. I don't know why I laughed at that. Uh, PUBG <laughs> is six. That's, pre- that's I mean, that's decent. Super Mario Odyssey Divinity is number one. Divinity Original Sin 2. Really? Yeah, I'm a good game. Really? Okay. Right. Yeah. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Very good. Near Automata. have no idea. I've heard many people talk about it. I have no idea what it actually is or what type of gameplay it is. Let me see this real fast. So it is on Windows. Okay. I didn't. I thought it was a console only. Come on. Come on. It's third person action? So far. Okay, RPG, I think. Got it. It's... It's it's a follow-up. And number one, nope, sorry, number two, Horizon Zero Dawn, Super Mario Odyssey. Automata is a $60 game. Odyssey is a good game. Yes. Like, good games cost money. You can afford it. You're fine. Yeah. We didn't do a top 20 list of anything. led with the uh, cat simulator. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There are a lot of other... uh, If you want to look, my favorite collection of best of for gaming is at giantbomb.com. If you want to watch... 40 hours of video deliberations of best game, best music, best story, best surprise, all that type of stuff. Uh, feel free to do, feel free to waste your time there. Yeah. Or if you've so, only got five minutes, then Yahtzee just put his out today. He's yeah, still around? Probably significant, oh, yeah. <laughs> significantly I shorter, I right? I honestly haven't seen a Yahtzee video in three years at this point. Well, now it hasn't changed. Now, yeah. you, now you can fix it. <laughs> he isn't any happier and he's not talking any slower. <laughs> well... You wouldn't want to. I mean, language. that's kind of the thing, yeah. right? You know? All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, picks of the week. That's a short one this week, guys, but we got other stuff to get to. Um, this was something uh, that Ken made me buy. These are display emulators for HDMI ports. And essentially what this is, if you have a headless computer, uh, but maybe it's dumb and it doesn't boot correctly into windows if there's not a display connected yeah right this is more of a display driver issue not like a a windows issue maybe you have a vega card for example uh and you want it to be able to boot without display attached you can attach this to the hdmi port and it basically tricks the video card into thinking that there is a display connected at and it can do up to 4k 60 Yep, I don't yep, understand. Which is cool. Like, do you care? I guess you could. You want it to. I guess you care. Well, if you like being seeing into the box. Yeah, you want it to be. A, so, how do you configure it? There's so you configure your resolution in Windows. Right, but so okay, so you have you have a monitor hooked up. You have this. It shows up to Windows as a display. You yeah. set its resolution, and then you disconnect your other monitor. Probably. Well, no, like you could just VNC in. Or if you were trying in. to do, if you're oh, trying to do this for VNC, okay. right? You or, VNC or RDP in. or stuff yeah. like that, where sometimes the resolution is wonky. So, so it would what, help. So, like, what would normally happen is, like, if you are once you exited the RDP or the VNC or whatever, the resolution might fall back to like 800 by 600 or something. Uh, and then when you go to sign back in, now your resolution has dropped again. Yes, 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 yes. Um, that sucks. I get around this. I figured out a way to get around this without using the dongles, actually, at some point, and that's just... Uh, oh, cool. Thanks for telling me. Well, I just... I, it, it, just this, I didn't know you were going to pick this. It's just fine. But the, if you use Ultra What'd VNC... What'd you do? Just shove a penny in it? If you use, uh, <laughs> if you use Ultra VNC and you install their mirror driver... Oh, the it mirror emulates driver a display. emulates a display. Got it. So it, it just kind of works, and it works in software <laughs> instead of hardware, but... But not a lot. Of, not everybody wants to use that sure. specifically. So, like, yeah. it's, it's kind of know. a it's kind of a weird process to install that stuff too. Like, it you is. can't really find it anymore. And it, it's oh, that so you can find it. It's just like it's not supposed to be supported anymore. It works, uh, okay. but it's not yeah, supposed to be supported. It. You know. And let's say maybe you're mining on some Vega cards, and they had some initialization processes problems, and you just needed to have a display plugged in. Oh, is that why that happened? Maybe Apparently. we haven't gotten maybe them yet, to be honest. Mm-hmm. They're still in in the mail. All right, uh, Jeremy, uh, let's see. Do I have yours? Yeah. What do you got yep. for me? Uh, well, we haven't talked about a 3D printer in quite a while. True. Uh, and there's a new one, uh, the, a new model that Monoprice just came out with, uh, which is their, uh, who's going to call it? It's the Select Mini 3D printer. And so it's the second version. It's 220 bucks, And it's decent. Yeah. You'll you'll be able to print a lot of very good quality prints out of it. Relatively small, but for the price, it's just really simple to set up, and it's not a huge investment. It, it does all the open filaments, uh, so you're not stuck in with the ridiculous stuff. Uh, it uses Cura, which is a hugely popular uh, 3D printing software, 
and there's a big community behind it. So, you know, if you're just sort of thinking about it, uh, at 220 bucks, it's not a huge investment. <laughs> Give it a shot, play around and see if you want, you do want to drop 600 bucks, 1200 bucks, 3000 bucks. Yeah. Uh, Monoprice generally has pretty good sales and printers fairly frequently. So you can watch out for those. I don't know how far, how deep this one gets, but probably gets below 200. And also keep an eye out because the last two CESs, they've announced a lot of 3D printers, this being one yeah. of them last year. So they'll have, I'm fairly confident they'll have some announcements coming because it's a large product segment for them. Interesting. And you'll be able to get this one for 140. Uh, yeah. Josh, what do you got for me? Yeah, this is really shocking. It's only $9, but it's a replacement battery for your old Samsung. You can do it yourself for 9 bucks. <laughs> that is it's, an old it's Samsung. It's just as good as the stock. And so I got this for my son because he's slowly destroying my, my old S3. But Usually hey, they're better than the stock battery. Look at that. Look, look at that. I know. Look at that. Equal Cheaper price. Quality. Equal Eight ninety nine. Cheaper you price. You can replace it yourself. Price goes on the scale, huh? <laughs> yeah. I do. I I will not lie and tell you I do not miss the days of replaceable batteries on these on these phones. Even though I never did it, it was still nice I to have the it, option. But I only did it in rare cases like CES or CompuTech, something like that, where I was out all the time. Uh, it was more convenient than carrying around a charger and a USB cable and having to have them connected in your pocket or your backpack or something. Yeah. But then you had to shut down your phone. Swap it and then reboot the phone, which is also a little bit of a hassle. Yeah, but the best thing about it is I'm recovering all those CPU cycles with the new battery. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Uh, Alan? So uh, back when I was a little kid and first got my Commodore 64 to play around with, I was trying to figure out how to code games for it at the time. I was really interested in technology, and I was like, man, how do I do this? And I'm looking around and figuring out how sprites work and this and that and the other thing. And there were just... There were just areas of coding for that platform that were just voodoo at the time, like that you just couldn't figure out because there was just no documentation anywhere. Sure. Right. Um, this is go to Stack Overflow. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my 300 baud modem that didn't come out until five years later. Right. <laughs> um, Here's the couplers. So uh, there's, uh, there's this book, which is called, where the heck is it? Uh, Retro Game Dev C64 Edition. So it's just, talking how to code gaming like games for these retro platforms and so there's information in this book that i just didn't even know was a thing on commodore 64 for all these years and you you just bought this book and i showed you a craigslist link to a c128 today for 50 bucks locally and you weren't interested because i would probably (laughs) do it in emulation and somewhere somewhere in my house i have a c64 yeah but you can't find it you can go buy this computing then you know But yeah, I mean, there were just these graphics modes that you just, it was just like, it was literally just like voodoo. Right. Like, you know, you, you heard about them, you couldn't figure out how to get into them, how to like make the thing do that graphics mode, for example. Like, you know, yeah. Anyway. Hmm. So that was cool. If you're into retro stuff, uh, that might be a good read for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex, did you have one? I did. Uh, did I click it or not? I must not have clicked it. Go ahead. All right. Well, uh, let's see here. I've been spending a lot of money on Steam lately, actually. It happens. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. Basically, you know, imagine that. So I've actually been looking for something my wife and myself can play, my computer. And we found this. It's a uh, Broforce. This game's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. <laughs> it is the most fun I have had in quite a long time. Isn't this multiplayer? Like it is. The- it's up to four person uh, yeah. co op, uh, local and network. Yep. Um, and everything just worked on Linux. It might was amazing. Do, might have to do PC per plays. Oh yeah, with this I would or something. Get get everyone in on it because yeah. it's amazing. Hey, along along those lines, uh, in the past I had uh, recommended that Factorio game mm-hmm. on Steam because of, like. I'd, even back then, I said like these game devs are like amazing. Like they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're doing all this, you know, rapid development. Were you on this developing thing. something for them? Uh, yeah, I did a mod, Some sort of which power I had to update for. Or something? So, so they they came out over the holiday, like for the past couple of weeks, they came out with a major point release to the game in experimental build form and released twelve updates. 
through the holiday, these guys were bug fixing and patching and like, they're just insane. Yeah. I don't know what these guys are doing. Even, even in the comment threads for like the updates, they're like, the, the community was like, what are you guys doing? Hate their family. Like, you should be like, go go on vacation or something. Hate your family, <laughs> just, develop the game. I mean, that's I the answer, right? Like, I so. just, it's easy enough answer. Hey, yeah, priorities. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's going to be it for us for this week, guys. Next week is CES. So me and Ken and Alan and Sebastian will and Sebastian. be uh, in Las Vegas. He's going to fly in. Uh, on assuming a, his registration goes through. He's going to fly in on his airplane made of uh, case boxes. Mm-hmm. Flapping his wings with cardboard. Flapping his wings. Yes, cardboard <laughs> um, wings. So the shows will all be different, right? We, we, we tend to do a show a night while we're there, but I can't make any promises again until we get there and we see what the setup is. Maybe something we record and post as opposed to be able to do live. Uh, but if you sign up to the mailing list, pcpro.com slash subscribe, I will, know, I will let you know there. Or you can follow me on Twitter, at Ryan Shrout, uh, and I will let people know there as well. Those are kind of the two avenues you'll know exactly what we're doing in terms of podcasting and live stuff uh, from uh, the show air. Otherwise, just keep checking back at pcpro.com. We'll have uh, news posts. Actually, starting tonight, you'll see some product announcements from... Starting in an hour. Starting in an hour, yeah. yeah we'll have what do we Hooray. got? Dell and Lenovo starting. Is that right, Jim? Yeah, Dell and Lenovo starting the barrage of stuff to your face. That's fine. Dell and <laughs> Lenovo will announce they're merging as a company and creating one super laptop to rule them all. It's not happening. Um, that's it. We will uh, see you guys in a couple of weeks for a normal one, I guess. And uh, yeah, goodbye. See ya. I think I did it great. Yeah, because Josh went into like a monologue after it, and Ryan ruined it by talking yeah. about it. Oh. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I like the monologue. <laughs> Both that Commodore One Twenty Eight and that TRS Eighty are gone. I'm sorry, now. Fever Striker. Oh no, five dollars. Fever Striker. Oh, Fever Striker. For the end. I'm sorry, Fever Striker. Thank you so much, Fever Striker. My favorite. Fever. <laughs>